Welcome to the Royal Tax Podcast with your hosts, Megan Templeton, Royal Legal Solutions Consulting Attorney, and Royal Legal Solutions CPA, MBA, and CFO, Pete Shindley. Each week, they talk about how to take your tax and financial strategy to the next level and learn how to build and scale your real estate investing business in a way that maximizes your returns and minimizes your taxes. This is for informational use only. For direct questions, please contact us or your local tax CPA accountant. All right, everyone. Thanks for uh, showing up today's Royal Tax. Um, Megan Templeton will try to join later on in the episode. She has a conflict at the moment. So um, hopefully she's able to join because today's topic is going to be equity stripping. And hopefully someone today has done that um, so they can kind of share their thoughts and experience on it. Um, especially with the way the housing market's been here in the West, a lot of people have called and have asked questions on equity stripping. So um, kind of falls on last week's topic there towards the end on taking loans out on a residence to buy other residents. So uh, who wants to kind of talk about what their group discussed from the breakout room? Any volunteers? Any Anyone excited to discuss this topic or no? <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. We, we actually uh, didn't talk specific. We talked a little bit about interest rates. Okay. Uh, and uh, we didn't talk about equity stripping, but I do have experience there. So happy to talk about it. Great, great. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, a lot of us are concerned, you know, with the increase in interest rates. Uh, I mean, why did they increase it? Well, inflation and they're, I mean, if you're really going to put your finger on it and the, the easiest way to say it is they're just trying to kill demand, uh, you know, to, to, to lower uh, inflation. Um, and yeah, th- this might have an effect on, you know, us purchasing. Uh, I, to me, I, I think if, it, if, you, if you found a, it just makes more emphasis on why you got to find a really good deal. If you find a good deal, then it's going to cash flow whether you leverage or not. Uh, so it's just more emphasis on finding something that's worth you know investing in. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as equity stripping going, uh, it is a tool um, I use a lot. Uh, yeah. And a lot of deals, instead of going in um, as a partner, um, I'll very often go in as a friendly uh, mortgage. Um, and it protects the whole project. Because uh, if anybody is sued, uh, they have to, I've got a first, you know, dibs on it. So um, I'll put a large mortgage on it and, uh, and, you know, with verbiage in there where I get a split of the profits, not just a specific interest rate. And I defer the interest until the product is sold. This is usually with fix and flips. Uh, But just one example of of what I do for equity stripping. And then there's other ones that I haven't used, but I've considered using where you create a uh, a very anonymous company and, and, and put a, a lien against the house. Um, it's more of a paper tiger kind of a, yeah. a way of doing it. I, I considered it, but uh, um, I haven't necessarily pulled the trigger on, on doing that yet. So in essence, you've used it, and we'll get into more detail later on after we listen to the other breakout rooms, but you've used it in essence to draw cash to buy flips and then also be the first lien holder on it to where if the flip goes upside down, you're protected or the assets protected. And then the second time is you just created a fake lien to kind of show there was a lien on the property. So it wasn't as attractive and more as an asset protection. I, I, I'll be honest. I've, I've done a ton of the first. Okay. Um, 
Although, uh, and not, and I've heard of the second, I've considered doing the second, but yeah. uh, I guess laziness or not wanting to create an entity that's going to have another $800 minimum California franchise tax. Yeah. Uh, although, I guess if I'm creating it out of state and I'm not using the entity, I'm just, in a sense, creating a fake lien. Um, it's not really an active business, I guess. It's not creating money. It's not really doing anything. So, I don't know. Um, it might be something. Okay. Okay. Great. Yeah, we'll, we'll look forward to hearing some of those a little later on, Chris. Sure, sure. Um, and so to be more specific, I'm sorry, I just want a little clarification because I, um, yeah, very often when I do it on the, on the first example, it's, it's when I have most of my deals, I have partners uh, and we have separate entities and they're the ones who buy it and I provide the capital for it and provide the lien. So, okay, great. Um, from the other group, uh, what did you guys discuss? Or was it more kind of off topic as well? Which is fine. <laughs> Are we the other group? Is there just two groups? Yeah, I think there's two. There might have been a third group looking at the breakout rooms. Yeah, I was in a third group. Okay. Yeah, there's there's third. In our group, we were just, uh, we weren't really sure what equity stripping is. Um, so we Googled it and we saw HELOC as a form of it. Nobody's done the lean type of thing that, I saw it described out there. And of course, I guess cash out refinance is another way to, you know, reduce the equity position too by doing that. And uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And then there was a new person in our group and we just were talking about different investments. Okay. Nice. So the new person, what, are, they, are they getting into to real estate investments or have they been established or is or did you not get that information? <laughs> Zahid, he's also here in California, in Newark, and okay. he, he could probably describe it for himself. Yeah, I see him. Oh, okay. getting, but he's got, uh, yeah, he's got a commercial building and he's got some uh, single family. Oh, nice. Zahid, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, I, I guess he used to attend and he's just come back. Oh, okay. Hi, I'm going. Yeah, I'm not, not necessarily new. Yeah, I used to attend a long time ago and um, it works crazy. So, oh, great. Yeah. Well, glad you came back, and <laughs> hopefully uh, today's episode you'll gain some knowledge from myself and Chris and whoever else in the group is. So, all right, Chris, I saw your hand was raised. Uh, what question did you have? Or? It wasn't so much a question, but just a comment on uh, the whole HELOC thing. Um, I recommend to really all my friends that have equity in their primary residence to get a HELOC. Well, I, let me rephrase that. All my uh, friends that have discipline. Uh, and, you know, whether you, because, you know, we all have some friends that if they find a pile of cash, they'll find a way to spend it. Uh, and I, I recommend it for a couple of reasons. One, uh, in an emergency, you always have available cash right then there. Uh, and as an equity stripping to protect you from liability, uh, most lazy contingent lawyers will look on title and see that you have a HELOC on it and assume that the whole HELOC is taken out. Um, so it's a good way on paper to look like it, that you are, you know, have no assets. Most people, their biggest asset is their home uh, where they have the most equity. And if you can make it look like there is no equity, that could be very, very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, and one last comment too is if you haven't done a HELOC before, they're actually very often banks will do it for you for free. Uh, you know, even the appraisal, it, they'll charge you if you, and then if you go through it, they'll they'll reimburse you for it. But um, I found them to be cheap, and uh, in most cases, 
Uh, I, I either used it very short term for, for, for deals, just for arbitrage purposes. But most of the time I've had HELOCs, they just kind of sit there doing nothing except uh, provide equity stripping. Yeah, in my experience, and then also some clients, the HELOCs, usually most of the fees are waived. Or if you have enough equity, you, you don't even have to get um, and it, you don't have to get an evaluation. Um, the only thing I've noticed is if you sign up for HELOC, sometimes if you don't meet the five-year minimum, at least on the banks up here, they'll charge you like a four to $500 cancellation fee. Because if you switch from one company to another bank, that might be offering better HELOC terms. If you don't meet what you sign up for, they may charge you four or 500 bucks, but that's almost as much as an appraisal, which you're getting back. As you said, most banks will give that back to you. Um, you yeah, market to be the cheapest insurance uh, yeah. get out there. Yeah. So, and as you said, what's really nice about the HELOC is if you like find a deal you like right away, you can get that money. You can put the money down on the deal, and you can also later on do cash out refinance on that deal, pay your HELOC back, and then also take more equity out and then invest in other properties. So, agreed, agreed. But I, I will give the asterisk that um, better be a good deal. Yes. We yes. say. Uh, and it better be a distant person that, that does that because the last thing you want is for a deal to fall through and it's affecting you professionally and personally. Correct. Especially with the interest rates, you know, maybe going up 50 basis points at a time, you know, your cap rate on those deals, you need to make sure are pretty high because that arbitrage can sink it or you're, you have a loss then. So Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Um, anyone from the third or group that wants to speak, Brendan? Or... I think you said you were in a third group. Yeah, I was in a group with with Andre. Um, okay. hey, Andre, uh, you know, fairly fairly new to investing. He's in a couple of of um, passive deals, um, but hasn't yet done done one where he's in control. So you know, he's kind of looking at interest rates, but not sure what to what to make of of them going up. Um, you know, for for me. Uh, you know, we refinanced a couple properties this year um, and, and pulled out uh, a good a good amount of equity. So, you know, I, I feel like a genius having done it in in January and February. Um, but uh, it's it's certainly impacting some of my my plans um, because you know I I. Um, uh, I'm in escrow on three more properties, and uh, you know, plan to, to to close on them for cash. But then I was going to refinance them to pull to pull the cash back out for for whatever comes next. Mm -hmm. And now I'm kind of anchored on you know a four percent thirty year rate, and so looking at a you know five and three quarter percent rate or six percent rate. Um, I'm sorry, so you're anchored on. Yes, mentally, I've I've got that as as the floor. Why would I want to borrow at six percent if I was borrowing at four percent just a couple of months ago? Yeah. So, you said the key thing there, mentally, because yeah. uh, we all tend <laughs> yeah. to do that. But historically, even six percent is is low by historic standards. But it I get is. It. And I've I've certainly paid more than that in 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 the past. So it's it's kind of a, a short term hang up that that I need to, to overcome, but it has me not rushing to, to start the refinance pr uh, process for, for these new properties yet, because, mm -hmm. you know, at least part of me hopes that, 
you know, if um, if this war in Europe uh, calms down, you know, we may see a bit of moderation in the MDS markets. And yeah, I'm with you, though. I have the same mental block, but um, I think I've got myself past it by just thinking, is there anything that you're investing in now where you aren't beating 6%? Yeah, well, you're, right? you're investing in stuff that, that you're not not going to be able to afford a 6% uh, you know, cost of money on, then that's probably the wrong investment. Well, I'm going to flip that on its head because even if you aren't, if it's a 30-year mortgage and it's in a good location, and I'm assuming we're talking about rentals, um, yeah. as long as you're cash flowing, if you're not cash flowing like crazy and you've got a long-term time horizon, inflation and increased rents are going to eat at that payment because yeah. that payment isn't going to change. Um, and a few years from now, you'll be thinking that you were a genius for, you know, getting 6% for, for, for 30 years if, if our rates are, are continue to go up. Yeah. Well, and on the flip side, if you have it at 6% and rates go down, you know, even with the penalty, sometimes it's worth it. You could just refi out. Yeah. Because I guess that's one question. Uh, the logical part, you know, of, of of the approach, those are all all factors to to consider. You know, and but I get it. mental blocks. The, I get it. Yep. the yep. emotional thing allows me to just procrastinate and put off, you know, working on on the paperwork. Have you considered like buying down, you know, points as well? Um. I always consider that. I never really do that because I I can't see thirty years into the future. And well, you, can't, you don't need to. You just need to look. At how many, I know how much you love spreadsheets. I do too. Yeah. You just put it in the spreadsheet. How much you're paying for it, and how long it will take you to pay it back. And in most cases, it's just a couple additional years. And if you're a long term holder on a rental property. Uh, you don't need to look 30 years down the line, just a couple more. Yeah, I, I know. I, I do calculate what the what the break-even period would be and such. But um, I, you know, then I don't anticipate that I'll, I'll necessarily be in those properties that long. And then I usually am. Gotcha. So really for you, it's just framing it at 6% is an okay rate still historically for yeah. you. Yeah. yeah, and look, ultimately, uh, the business of, of the rental property is going to pay for for that borrowed money anyway. So, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm really just looking at a, a cash flow trade-off at the end of the day. And after a few years of inflation, um, it really doesn't, <laughs> isn't that noticeable. Gotcha. But I think you bring up a really good point because... I'm starting to look and wonder if if getting loans is you know is always the best option. I mean, I, yeah, leverage is really great, but if you're sitting on a whole bunch of dry powder and you can make a good return, I mean, look how much you're paying even on a five percent mortgage or a four percent mortgage uh, when it's thirty year. Look how much is going toward interest, you know, for the first few years. You're, you're not eating a principal at all. Um, so, and, and the older I get, the less leverage and the more cash flow I'm going to want. And it, it's just making me second guessing long-term uh, leverage if how much I want. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I am sitting on a, on a pile of cash uh, from, from those refinances and I'm looking at it with the inflation rates today and realizing I got to do 
something with it. And so the I've been in cash since, uh, well, a good portion in cash since the end of last year. And it would have gone back in the stock market, but I decided no. And uh, I was going to put a whole bunch in bonds for my mom because she's in her 70s. And I'm like, I can't put it in bonds right now. And I can't put that really risk adverse money in the stock market. And I'm glad I didn't. So, you know, cash is, yeah, inflation is burning a hole in it, but, you know, don't jump into it. And I'm not saying you are, but I'm actually more talking to myself in the mirror as I'm saying this. Don't jump into any bad deals or good or or mediocre deals just because you're sitting on a bunch of cash. Um, yeah. Well, I've, I've got three deals in, in play, so I'm, I'm confident with those. Now, you can always buy a few I-bonds. And those are inflation index. So every time I read about that, I get excited and then I'm reminded, okay, this is going to sound conceited. It's only 10 grand, you know, it's, it's only 10 grand. Yeah. A year, or, or I guess 10 grand over the, I don't know. And then you can get an additional 10 if you're below a certain income or, or something like that. But I just, I, I hate researching and doing plays that aren't really repeatable in larger amounts. You know, it just comes down to what's worth your time. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, that's a lot of money to a lot of people. So I, I, I don't want to sound like an ass, but uh, I wish it was more than 10 grand. I mean, what are those, those like 9% right now? 10 grand per person. You can buy it for your kid. Um, yeah. And it's tax-free. Um, those those interest rate interest for your kids are tax-free. And 10 grand per entity. You can buy it for your entity. And after one year, it's liquid. So I think it's a pretty good deal. I did not look into it that much. Thank you so much, Julie. That's that's interesting. Hmm. So, can we create a DST that has a whole bunch of babies, uh, and each one can do ten grand? Uh, you you need a um, tax ID. I think it needs uh, an EIN. So yeah, each EIN you can buy ten grand. So if you lived in a not California, you could set up a bunch of EIN LLCs in Wyoming and not have to pay the eight hundred bucks. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, but you get to see the ocean, so you know it's a trade-off. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah but, and I'm on the hill, so I can see above all the uh, political. I'm not going to go in that direction. <laughs> Just good views. Um, there you go. Anyone else have done equity stripping or anything like that, or plan on at least going to get HELOCs to? If we do have a downturn or recession, where properties may be a little cheaper. To, to buy or is that no one's strategy because you don't see that happening want more information join our community groups that exist to provide a space for like-minded people on a similar journey to learn share and network with real estate investing professionals and entrepreneurs we meet weekly for an hour in zoom to offer knowledge and accountability be sure to grab the link in our show notes i'm doing this i'm in the middle of a straight up refi and okay uh, actually, the I, I know Brendan. I don't know. You're, it sounds like you're refinancing maybe uh, individual single-family homes, but the Freddie quotes I'm getting are like four and a half percent. And so I decided to reach out to some of the regional banks in the Pacific Northwest, and I got one person to quote me three point nine. It only going to cost you seven points. No, there was there was uh, well, I don't know. What, I, yeah, sorry. But, yeah, no. Um, I was pretty excited about that. So that is exciting. I think. If you're not getting Freddie, Fannie money, you might get individual banks, uh, regional banks to give better rates than, than maybe lenders who are a- using agency money. I don't know. 
Can I talk about, okay, am I naive here? I thought it was the opposite. I thought Fannie Freddie was the cheaper ones. In oh. general, they are. But, you know, if, if you do have some smaller banks that are sitting on a pile of cash, you know, they, they want to get it put to work. So I haven't, uh, you know, I, uh, I do have a couple larger multifamilies that I should, you know, get off the pot and, and see about refinancing. But, uh, you know, let, let me know how it goes, Jeff. Yeah, I mean, maybe we'll see. But is that a regional bank? Are they, are they credit unions or just a normal where they're paying taxes? And stuff? I don't know. It's called Home Street. I just Googled top banks in the Pacific Northwest and started going through the list. So yeah, home straight uh, bank. Okay. Now, did they tell you that they only do it in, you know, is it a, like a credit union? Do they only do it locally? No, they have, they actually have offices in Hawaii too, Charlie. So I was like, maybe I'll have to talk to them That's about doing that. Yeah, no, I know, no, but I know Charlie is in Hawaii, but yeah, no, Hawaii too. They, they have, they have actually home straight. They actually have offices in the Southern Cal. They don't have any, that I think they might have one in Sacramento. They don't have any here in the Bay area. Uh, but I think they're in Oregon, Washington, so a little bit more than just up there in the Pacific Northwest. But um, yeah, I just I just started talking to them yesterday. I'll, we'll see where this goes. But I love seeing something below a four, uh, less than four is interest rate. So yeah, they're here in Idaho as well. So I'm trying to pull it up to see if they're anywhere else. But... Would you write in the chat the name of it or what's the name of it again? Home, home Street. Home Street. Okay. Home Street Bank. Okay, Pete. Um, quick question for you. I mean, do you does Royal Legal or, or uh, look? I am I am a a junkie for creative ideas. Have you seen any equity stripping creative ideas or uh, that uh, that maybe some of us haven't heard of? Or I uh, know the main ones I've seen and aware of are mostly doing the HELOC cash out refinance or for asset protection. And this is, I was hoping Megan would be on the call to speak on the legal side of this, but she had a conflict. Um, people will put a lien up on their self. They'll do an LLC and then do the self lien to, as you said, is when a lawyer tries to sue you, they'll Google what your house is worth and what the liens are. And people do that to kind of mask how much equity you have to whether it's worth to sue you or not, or just to take, Hey, their homeowner insurance policies X or to take X. So that, that, that's mainly what I've seen on my end from the tax side, but legal side, they, there may be other more creative solutions that they've done legally. Um, so. Well, I, I think from a legal standpoint, I mean, there, there's two ways to do, uh, well, there's always probably more than two ways. Um, it's, it's my joke. There's two kinds of people in the world, those who think there's two kinds of people and those who don't. Um, but uh, two things that come to mind for me, one is you can make it really easy in a paper tiger, which basically it's terrorist for show. And then another that is legit and is a lender to go through. Uh, if it's just a paper tiger, I mean, an LLC, I mean, I, I think New Mexico is one of the easier ones because it's the charges the least or nothing and it's, it's anonymous and you could just put it up there. Or you could even have a friend who has an entity and just ask them, hey, please put it up there. Yep. Um, but if there's not monthly payments or there isn't a legit loan in place and money moved, any any decent sized lawsuits just going to see right through that. Correct. Cause in a big, in a big lawsuit, they can ask whoever holds the lien, what's the value of the lien being held. And if they say, Oh, it's 400,000, they've just committed perjury. So they're going to say, Oh, there's no balance owed. So then they're going to know it is a paper tiger, but those are usually on the spousal ones. 
spousal. When I've seen that, the spouse, people do it under their spouse name. So yeah. if you do do it as a business and actually have payments and debt, then it's just like doing a bank loan. And if you're first on the mortgage, the second lien theoretically could force the property to be sell, but you would always recoup your money first. So, but likelihood of that happening is very low at that point. So, uh, but again, as Chris mentioned earlier, and I'll restate it, if you're going to do equity stripping, make sure the deal's good or make sure you're not going to buy a non-asset like a car or life insurance or putting it in the market or betting black on roulette. So just want to make sure you're disciplined because um, <clears throat> you don't want to. Uh, I'm just going to mention it because we're in the same you know, subject of uh, using capital like a HELOC uh, um, for, for deals and such. Um, probably the, the one piece of easy leverage, uh, easiest that I've used and has the most impact on me, especially early in my real estate career, was um, borrowing against my stock portfolio uh, on margin. Now that can get kind of dangerous, but uh, if you do it right and you do it in a limited way, um, it's a really easy way to get uh, at cash, if, if you've got, you know, if, if you believe in the stock market and you've got money in the stock market. And and for me, I, I've been in the stock market a lot longer than I've been in real estate and I don't tend to sell stuff. So the capital gains on selling it and putting it into real estate uh, is, is not uh, a great option for me. Um, so on deals, I'll very often, often borrow against my stock portfolio, pay it back and uh, you know, or, or, you know, wait till the end of the year when I might have some stock losses or something like that to balance against, uh, you know, selling some stock, but it really gives you some opportunity. And I don't work for the company, but I'm just going to sound like I'm selling it. But, uh, if you do have stock interactive brokers, I've had them for over 10 years and they are by far the, the cheapest to borrow money against. And, uh, you're able to borrow, you know, depending on your portfolio mix up to like 90% of your portfolio. And although I would never do that, uh, most of brokerage companies, they're like, uh, you can borrow up to 50%. Uh, and before a margin call, I, I can go up to 50% and still have lots and lots of room uh, there. So uh, they're very, very cheap. I, I think I pay less than 1% interest. Actually, I don't know right now the rate the interest rate rises. But, uh, and uh, I, like I said, I can go up to 90% against it. So um, there are a couple of things you need to do in regard to that. So hit me up if you can't figure it out, um, how to sign up for that. Um, again, no benefit to me except helping out my fellow investors. And he said interactivebrokers.com. I'll put that up in the chat. Um, so, yeah. I, I want to second Chris's recommendation of that. Um, it's, it's a really powerful tool. And know that there's a couple of different ways that you can, can borrow against, um, against stocks. You know, one is the margin, but there's also... Um, you know, other programs where, uh, you know, like you pledge those, those um, stock assets for the loan, and that can be a lot cheaper than, um, than a margin um, loan. Is that uh, the same thing? I, I mean, I, I, they are not the same thing because a margin loan you can use to buy additional stock with. <laughs> like a pledged asset program, you know, basically the stock is, is your collateral, but the the proceeds from that loan cannot be put back into the stock market. And as a result, the prices are are significantly cheaper. And you know, the, the way I've used them is you know, you need a big down payment or you want to close a deal for cash, 
you know, I get it out of there. And then over the next, you know, number of months, you know, I, th I think about the longest I had a balance was about a year, year and a half. Um, you know, I, I try to, I try to look at it as a short-term um, thing, but it's, it's a great tool if, if you have assets in the stock market. Interesting. Um, so I, I think it might be, I'm, I'm using margin like saying Kleenex for tissue paper. I mean, you're right. There's pledge assets, there's margins, there's reg T, regular, there's a whole bunch of different I mean, to, terms that you can use. Uh, but uh, just to be clear, what I'm talking about is I, I'm fairly certain it's still called mar portfolio margin is what they call it. Um, I know some places like uh, Morgan Stanley, they have it where they specifically call it pledged assets. But I am talking about literally where I can go in there, set up a wire, don't even have to talk to anybody online and you know, it gets sent out. So uh, one quick caveat too, only because it's in the chat, somebody asked if they could do it and they mentioned 401k. Unfortunately, I wish you could do this, but you can't use margin in a 401k account, uh, with the retirement account. They, they don't allow it because they don't want you to take that kind of risk with uh, retirement funds. Yeah, thanks, so I was typing that up, but you said it, so I don't have to type. So thanks, Chris. No problem. I wish I could. It's, it's where I've accumulated a lot of assets or my 401k. I wish I could do some safe margin with it. But uh, uh, let, let me put it this way. there are, You could do it. You're not allowed to. Um, but I mean, you could set up an LLC, uh, you know, with your 401k as the owner and and, uh, and probably end up doing it. But uh, I wouldn't. Um, you know what? Let me, let me take this back. Is it? I think you can do it in that way, but then it would incur you a bit because you're borrowing money. Um, so you'd be taxed at a very unfavorable rate uh, if you did go that route. Um, but most companies I've seen said you can't do that. And then the ones that you do with some, you know, roundabout ways, it's barring against your portfolio, which uh, is another thing people tend to misinterpret that there's no UBIT on borrowing money with a 401k, which there isn't if it's used specifically to buy or uh, against rentals or against property. But any other kind of borrowing, you're going to pay UBIT, which you don't want to do. Yeah, and also, I mean, you said your W two is these, so that's going to be probably based on your company plan as well. So they may have limitations set forth in it as well that limit it to fifty thousand for your your primary residence at X percent interest rate. So um, your employer probably has more constraints on your four hundred one k, most likely. Oh yeah, that's right. About borrowing against your uh, yeah yeah your your retirement account, you can not necessarily through margin, but just borrowing against it. You're right, and there are some things like yeah, a first home purchase or um, fifty thousand or up to fifty thousand or fifty percent of your four hundred one k, whichever is smaller. Yeah, and then usually the interest you pay on it refunds your you're paying yourself interest, but that four percent. Which maybe in today's market that's awesome, but oh wait, wait, no! I heard that that was kind of you could kind of have there's some wiggle room there on what you can determine how much interest you want to pay yourself. Uh, so through a company sponsored like market rate or something, right? Through a company one, they limit it to like four to five percent. For a company one, what do you mean by that? Like if you work for a Fortune 100 oh. company and they're the 401k sponsor, they, yeah. they limit it to 4 to 5%. And that's what I assumed by him, I say to W2, was that his company's plan, not his personal 
solo 401k type one was more of a company. Anybody else here playing with a solo 401k? It's like the best investment I, uh, vehicle I've ever used for so many reasons. Um, if you haven't, you've really got to strongly think about it. Even if you've got a W-2, create a small entity on the side and, and do it because uh, it's just a fabulous way to invest for so many reasons. But I think we're getting off topic here. It's all right. It's all about financing and how to buy homes. Um. Well, you, you know what? I, I'm going to take this opportunity to tell you guys something I really learned, and, and I'm going to be telling every investor I talk to. Uh, it's uh, in regard to uh, insurance. Um, I've unfortunately had a fire at one of my rentals. Uh, and it's currently being investigated. It looks like it's um, arson. Um, whether well, it's definitely arson. Whether or not it was the tenant or not, um, but my it looks like my plan. If the tenant intentionally causes the fire, I have no coverage on the property. Huh. If somebody other than the tenant causes the fire intentionally, it's limited to a thirty thousand dollar vandalism claim. So I, it's making me relook at every single policy that I have. Unfortunately, this was not a house worth a lot of money, um, but it's making me forcing me to look at all my policies now to see if I'm feeling adequately covered. Uh, and uh, be careful, guys and gals. My, uh, my father had a, a fire in, um, in a vacancy. Uh, and it was was apparently a homeless person had gone in there and intentionally started it, and the place went up really fast. It uh, um, you know totaled three units, and thankfully everyone got out. But he, uh, you know, his insurance company tried to um, to settle for sixty thousand dollars, and you know he he. It, Took him a year, but he finally settled for three hundred and eighty, which is what it's costing to to rebuild, you know, three one bedroom units. Um, fire is really pricey. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I just always had assumed that fire means I'm covered, regardless, you know, uh, and uh, that's just not the case. So I'm looking at every single policy I have to see if I feel I'm adequately covered, and I encourage everybody else to do the same. You, you never know when something like that happens and um, I'm not actually covered on that property or I don't know yet. It's still in the investigation phase, but just hearing that it might not be covered made me think uh, you got to be kidding me. So Chris, on that coverage, is it more of a just replacing the structure or is it also waive the liability if someone were to be injured or Oh God, uh, that was, <laughs> yeah, it didn't say anything about the reducing liability. I, I can't imagine that it would reduce the liability coverage. This was purely, from what I understood, structural okay. coverage. Yeah, and and to be clear too, fortunately nobody was hurt. Yeah, you know, with this, but uh, apparently the investigation is showing that the same guy who did this one did another house down the block in the same evening. So um, we'll see where that goes. <laughs> That's unfortunate. Yeah, it's messed up. It's messed up. Then a quick time check. We got about nine minutes left. Um, I did want to talk about, uh, for May, we're going to have our next show on the 17th. So we will be off next week. Um, if there's any topics or pressing issues you guys want to have us discuss on the 17th, uh, just 
leave a note in the Discord channel and we'll review it and create that um, the conversation around that as well. And I believe Ken is also listening in the chat previous shows we've done for the people that are newer to the tax show. They can go look at uh, especially the Soul 401k, they can look at a previous show. There's a show on that. Uh, if you have questions, just post them in the Discord because a lot of this community is in it and they have experience with it. So yeah, the Soul 401k is huge if you're self-employed or have property and can create it for you. So. I absolutely love it. And I, I took a, you know, quite a few years ago, I, I paid six figure tax bill uh, by converting it, you know, over to Roth, uh, just ripping off the bandaid. And uh, it's not only tax deferred, it's tax free. You know, a lot of my, and you just put a lot of your juicy deals in it. Um, what are your feelings, Pete, on, on rentals with the 401k? I, I, I kind of tend to shy from that only because it's just like putting tax-free bonds in your, in your retirement account. It's like, there's so many benefits to, uh, you know, having, uh, you know, rental property. Why would you put it, you know, in a retirement account where you can't take those tax write-offs? Yeah. So I think if you need to get rental property and that's the only way to do it. That's your only discretionary money. Yeah. I, I would go through the, the solo 401k and do it that way. Um, one problem is if you keep that rental for a long term in 30, 40 years, let's say you hit 72 and you have your RMDs, you may have to liquidate that property to take out an RMD. So, well, the age keeps going up. Yes. And, and, and I do, there, there are some interesting things that I've heard out there. I mean, uh, for myself, I think if I go down that route, uh, if I do have any long-term assets, or, or even if I just want to continue investing in my 401k, I don't want to be forced to do distributions. Um, I'll just uh, retire and have uh, one of my daughters, who I'm sure will have an entity at the time, become an employee of them with a, you know less than a, what is it, a two percent interest in the company. Yeah. Uh, since I'm still employed. Yep. Well, if, if it's a Roth, you don't have to do RMDs, do you? You do with a 401k. Unfortunately, 401k. Roth. I don't know why they do that. It's so ridiculous. Close uh, down the entity and transfer it to a uh, to to an IRA. I guess. Um, yeah. I mean, look, that is an option. I just uh, there's just so much more freedom with a 401k than with an IRA. You know, I don't like dealing with custodians. They always f up deals. They just do. They just f it up when you have when timing is an issue. Uh, and then also there's the whole thing of like, you do one mistake, one prohibited transaction in an IRA and it blows up the whole friggin' IRA and 401ks are transactional. So, uh, and UBIT and a whole bunch of other things, uh, reasons that I, I favor the 401k, but you're right. It is definitely an option. And honestly, in five years, things could be a lot different and that option, there could be better options or worse options. So. Uh, there's no yeah, 100%, it's going to change yeah. you know, so. and I'm fine with it just tell me the rules I'll figure out how to make money correct correct that's the nice thing about living here is they change rules but they can always find loopholes so yeah but I mean I, I, I tend to maybe err on the side of being a positive person and one thing that's very trending in this country for ever since its creation is that they try to make things uh profitable for landowners and, and they do that for a number of reasons one because that's typically your most uh, valuable constituents if you're a politician but also we're the ones providing housing for people we're improving the neighborhoods 
If you're not giving us good reasons to do so, we're going to have really shitty neighborhoods and no places for people to put a roof over their head. Yeah. Yeah. T- taxes drive a lot of the social stuff that government wants you to do, and they incentivize you through taxes and tax breaks. So as long as they want people in homes, they'll keep incentivizing it. So regardless who's in charge. <laughs> so, but, um, on a happier note, <laughs> <laughs> Switch off that. <laughs> Sorry, I got a little cut off there, Chris. Um, we got about four minutes left. Anyone have an uplifting story they want to share? Yeah, I just want to recognize uh, Brendan's uh, suggestion for the Blitz asset. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's great. Uh, he's got the figure from Swab there at two point two five percent. Do you have a figure there, Brendan, for Morgan Stanley as far as what the plates asset interest is? Yeah, I, I use Schwab, so that's that's the one that I have. Um, you know, there uh, lots of brokerages have have similar programs. They may have different names. Uh, you know, Chris mentioned he uses IKBR um, and had a pretty good rate, although he doesn't know what the current one is. It's one point eight three up to hundred grand. From hundred grand to a million, it's one point three three. That's one million to fifty million. It's one point oh eight. It's great. And that is fantastic. That is, you can't beat that. Uh, and if anybody be can, please tell me because I will move every part over there. <laughs> I appreciate that, Chris. So those are some of the golden nuggets that come out from these type of sessions, right? Yeah. Sometimes we know so much, and we just it's it's sort of out there until like last. We Julie mentioned something that engendered some additional conversation that I think Chris and I will get an alignment on. And then today, specifically, what Brendan had uh, suggested in the Plitz asset. You know, I'm in that situation today because there's a, an investment that I I'm committed to do for long term uh, hold, right? And I believe in it no matter what happens. I'm committed to it and I plan to continue to accumulate. On the other hand, on the equity side of things, uh, we got hammered, you know, big time in terms of the value of the stock market, but it's getting to be paired up. Question is, do I sell that stock, although I believe in the company, versus leveraging it using the Plitz asset and then taking that and invest it in the one that I'm committed to for the future without having to sell that equity stock that I own today that I believe in that's been hammered in the market, you know. Um, I'll just use Robinhood as an example, right? And you know what happened when they opened up IPO and then they got hit big time right now, they're just down in the, in the gutter. Uh, but I believe that some of the stocks are gonna recover, right? But that's not happening anytime soon. On the other hand, on the other side of, of things, which is basically what's happening in uh, Web 3.0, which is this whole thing about blockchain, DeFi, and so on. So I'm committed to this one company, and some of you know about that. So anyway, um, thank you. I appreciate this because I, I pick up a thing or two here, which I think relevant uh, at the end of the day. Yeah, I, you know, I just like doing what the billionaires do. You know, they, Elon Musk doesn't sell stock to buy stuff. He just pledges the stock and borrows against it, and he doesn't have to pay the capital gain for it. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's You're absolutely it's, right because you know, I was I was that close twice, you know, to trigger that right, but it generates that capital gains right, yeah. and so so you have a, a different set of issues to deal with. 
But right now, they are pretty much kind of equal because, you know, both of them have been hit, but the other one's getting hit to the point where they're equal. So what do you do? Do you just get rid of this, although you believe in it, you want to keep it, or do you leverage it and so you can accumulate this? Because well, I, I feel it's a buying yeah. opportunity. I think one thing that we you may well that we may be overlooking here, and you've got to be careful. If you're talking about stock like Robinhood, that is you've got a few you've got a higher risk there. I mean, when I pledge assets, it's usually against Fortune 500, you know, ETFs, you know, really broad based ETFs with, uh, and a lot of them are, are different than each other. Uh, you know, if your pledge assets are predominantly really risky stock. Uh, I would keep my margin exceptionally low because you're going to get you're more at risk of a margin call. Uh, actually, personally, I, I haven't invested very much in individual stock for quite some time. Um, it's just one of the easy risks to get rid of. Um, I, it's just going to sound exceptionally crude, but I mean, you're, you're one CEO. Okay, I won't make it crude. You're one CEO doing something very bad away from losing 20% of, of your stock. Uh, whereas if you're broad-based over quite a few different stock, uh, you don't have that individual company risk. Understood, understood. But, you know, at the time, you've got a lot of retail investors going into the market. You got over 20 million users, and there was, there was no one close to, to them, right, when you look at it. And, of course, there was this whole controversial thing about the gaming and the rest of it. But everybody got hit as far as the IPO is concerned in the market. Yeah, there are a lot of too big to company fails that failed. I mean, look at Exxon. <laughs> I mean, look at uh, Enron. Look at... Uh, uh, you know, uh, who was that? Who's a big uh, brokerage firm that's slipping my mind right now that you know fell under Lehman Brothers? Yeah, or, or look at yeah. I mean, any of the original uh, Dow companies. There's only one in existence today, and that's GE, and they haven't done well in decades. So um, just be careful. Well, diversify. Yeah, we we can't tell you what to do, but it's good to know some of the the tools that are are there. And I'd I'd love to take credit for this this tool, but Chris Chris brought it up. I was I was just doubling down on uh, his suggestion, but it's it's a tool I've used again and again. Me too. But, I mean, it's the very beginning. My first big big deal I did by borrowing against my stock portfolio. Yeah, it's a good information, right? I mean, you're looking at anything uh, south of two percent. My God. Right. <laughs> we started off with saying, well, we're concerned about interest rates going to go up based on what everybody was saying, what's happening domestically and internationally. Potentially, or not potentially, it's going to go up more. So. And, and here you go. And you say, hey, if you got that stuff, you can get this for under 2%. Well, yeah. Those are variable rates. They're not going to lock you in that rate for 30 years. It's variable. And, and we got to be very, very clear here. Uh, with something like Interactive Brokers, they're not going to call you and tell you you're getting a margin call. They're just going to sell your stock. Right. Uh, so be very careful with what you're doing uh, if you're borrowing even close to where uh, your margin could not be called. Right. Understood. Uh, for those in the, on the Discord, I did post a Forbes article on I-bonds. I know for some people like Chris, they're not important, but just for a few on interest. <laughs> I'm just messing with you, Chris. I, I deserve it. <laughs> I, and thank you, Julie, for really opening my mind that, you know, it's, you could do it with all your kids and, and different entities. It's like a lot of work for 10 grand, but uh, no, it's probably worth it. Could be. Just if anyone wants more info, it's, it's, it's there in the Discord channel. Would you have to give up a bunch of your gain, too, if you cash it out within less than five years or something like that, too? No. Nope. months worth of interest. Three months. That's I think if, it, if you catch it within a year, 
after a year, it's liquid. You can cash it out. You just give up three months interest, which is not much. Um, but think about your kids. If, if inflation is high, they stay at this level. And uh, how much uh, money your kids can get when they go to college. And it's keep in mind it's it's inflation index. So if yeah. if it's giving you a high return, that means there's going to be a lot of inflation by the time they spend it. So ten thousand dollars now. It was a terrible investment for it up until recently. Terrible. Yeah. 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 But if you have better place to put that money, you can take it out after one year. So it's you're not locked there. And it's safer than bonds because when interest rate goes up, bonds value go down. I bond value does not go down. They guarantee your principal. No, it does go down. If interest rates, if inflation goes down, the the, the, well, the I'm talking about interest rate and bond value. If the interest rate for bonds go up, when you sell the bonds, you get lower price. However, with I bond, right, you get your principal back. Yeah. Yep. Correct. Thanks everyone for showing up to the text call today. It was informative. I learned something new. Hopefully, you all did. Um, the uh, pretty much doing a margin call on your assets is a good way to get that two percent, but. Be careful, <laughs> do your research. <laughs> the, the downside to these calls is you go away with a to-do list. It's like, yeah. now I gotta start looking at my insurance policies and take another look at the solo 401k. And yeah, I just a big tool belt. I, I may or may not use them, but it's always nice to know when it's a deal comes along and I've got to think creatively, I've got other avenues that I could, you know. Other I can pull that maybe we haven't thought about before. Yeah, and, and if you're having insurance questions, we do have an insurance guy on staff now, Aaron. So right, um, he can help you if you have some questions or need to update your insurance policies. So um, that's another service we're starting to offer here at Royal Legal Solutions. So thank you for listening to the show today. If you're feeling overwhelmed with taxes as they relate to your real estate business and investments, or you're unsure if you're doing your accounting correctly, fill out our five-minute quiz. With the information from this quiz, you'll schedule a meeting with a Royal Legal Solutions advisor who will provide you with powerful tax-saving strategies on your first call. Go to www.royallegalsolutions.com tax to fill it out.